Put your hands together. Put your hands together. Put your hands together. Put your hands together. What's up, everybody? Thanks for coming out to the ECD. Put your hands together. Please drop your cell phones. Put your hands together for your host, Cameron Esposito. Put your hands together. Get ready to clap. Put your hands together. Put your hands together. What's up, you guys? I don't know if this is on. Yes! We're doing it! We, it, took, it got turned on. Guys, what a night. Good, good job. You seem like a very happy and energetic crowd. Give it up for yourselves. Give it up for yourselves. I love when the theme song comes in and then you guys decide whether or not you have rhythm as a group. It always starts out real shitty. Like, it always starts out with one person like, I think it's here. I think this is where they meet. And then three other people are like, ah, actually, I believe it's here. Um, and so that's kind of nice, you know, because it's, like it's kind of like a, you know, like a dog, like a, like, you know, fighting, just kind of fighting to, you know, be the top uh, human being in the room. And we all won because at the end we did it together. So, good job us, right? Way to go us! Yes! Even now, kind of hesitant. Do you understand? Even now, are we clapping? I don't understand. I'll look to each other. Do we like her? I can't tell if we like her. Um, you do. You actually do. Uh, I'm hilarious, charming. Uh, I wear this outfit every day. This is... It's like, what else is there to me than this outfit? And I uh, look awesome. And I lost about uh, two pounds on purpose. So my self-esteem through the roof. And, uh, and you guys are here to put your hands together on Tuesday night. So you can clap for yourselves. And I'm Cameron Esposito. I'll be your host for tonight. And I don't want you to feel like you can't clap for... You can clap for me if you... Okay, all right. Still kind of, still kind of feeling me out, still kind of feeling me up in a way. Um, feeling me out and up um, in your minds. And stop it, you know, gross. Or more, you know what I mean? Depending on who you are and what I think about you. So it's, I get to choose. My body, my decision. <laughs> And we've got an awesome show tonight. We've got an awesome show tonight, and it's a... Uh, oh, it's a... Uh, uh, this is uh, our country. Was born this week. A couple of years ago. And so it's our birthday as a country. And what a week! What a week to have Independence Day right at the week after I just found out that I'm a human person from the Supreme Court! says I can enter into a contract with another consenting adult a love contract and uh, and if anybody's conf I'm a les uh, lesbian person obviously <laughs> and I'm very happy because of the Supreme Court DOMA decision I'm fucking thrilled I'm uh, I'm also I don't even know what I can't look out of my I've been I shouldn't be driving like for the past week I shouldn't be because I'm so excited I can't even I'm like I can't even see you guys or my I don't know what's going on like the morning that I found out I just uh, well I found out on Twitter because that is the most accurate news source uh, to find out what's going on with your rights and whether or not you're a person I found out on Twitter and then I rolled out rolled over and I said to my girlfriend like oh my god it's happened like I didn't think I would see this in my life I didn't think I would see but like 10 years ago I was living in Massachusetts and I saw, I was there the day that the first same-sex couples were married in Massachusetts. And I remember just thinking, like, there's no, this is great. And then, and then just ten years, like, our, do you realize our black president said, I can marry a woman? <laughs> like, are you, what the fuck world is this? Who wrote this world? Let's take it to series. You know what I mean? Like, it's a good world. And I like the pilot, and I want to take it to series. But I didn't know what to do all day, the day that it happened. Like, my girlfriend and I, we just, 
we work at home, both of us work at home, and then we were just in separate rooms, and um, like just working, but then every like tw- 20 minutes, we would just like pop our heads out and be like, hey, great tweet! And you're like, is, we're just tweeting our joy. But also, we felt like there was somewhere we should go. We were like, is there somewhere we're supposed to... Go? Like, is there... What are you... What are you supposed to do? Like, I don't, Later that night, we did just casually drive through West Hollywood. <laughs> We didn't stop. We just went like, well, here it all. You know, I just kind of looked around. I don't know what you're supposed to do. Just years and years of like, I actually feel like my body, I was just so, I was like tense. Just from like, I mean, because when you're, I just, I felt like my whole life, I was just like, it was like my collarbones were up by my ear. Because I was just so, you know, like just like could never take a shit. Do you understand? For equality. Like, just, like, constantly ready for, like, a dude in a van or our government to call me a dyke. Like, for my entire life. And then one day somebody's just like, actually, you know all that stuff? Never mind. (laughs) Never mind. And it's a lot to... It feels like a ton of responsibility. And and it's exciting, and I'm happy about it, and I wouldn't take it back. But it's like, I feel like Spider-Man, like, right after he got bit. And I'm like, the webs are coming out, but I'm crashing into buildings. Like, it's too much. At at once. Like, it's exciting, and I don't mean it's too... I mean, I want it. I just mean it's a lot. You know, it's like, I don't don't have my... You know, I'm not... uh, It's not swinging right yet. uh, Nor will it ever. And... I also last like 50% of my comedy material, so fuck you. Because you know? I've just been yelling for like three years about like, give me that And then just somebody says, I'm like, oh, well, I gotta write, I don't know, like stuff about happiness or, oh, I'm still a woman, so still fucked. So it's okay. Phew. <laughs> still a woman. It feels like. Um, I think it feels like if you were like an eighth grader and you heard about a party, like a cool high school party, you went to that party. And when you got there, like 50% of the people were leaving. And you were like, but my older sister, she bought us some beer. So if you let us in, we can burn this place to the ground together. (laughs) It feels like that. Don't say what. That is a perfect analogy. I'm trying to speak to you in your terms. I don't know who said what, but I'm going to guess you're a straight person. And I don't think you understand how much I'm putting myself on the line to try and communicate to you what this feels like. Because to you, it's just about tweeting about Chick-fil-A jokes. To you, it's just about posting on Facebook about dog marriage. Well, what's up, America? It's a lot crazier than that. I'm trying to speak to you in your terms. Do you understand? Okay. I feel very weird. And very happy. And very weird. And very happy. I guess if there's one thing that I could say, I know that some people maybe feel weird, like, Am I, should I say anything? To, if I have any gay friends, would that be weird to them? If I, like, sent them, let's say I went to high school with somebody. And then now they're like a famous comedian. (laughs) Should I send them a Facebook message? Because they wrote an essay about their dad, which was beautiful. This is kind of a specific example. (laughs) But the answer is yes. Yeah, the answer is totally yes. So um, if you know anybody who's a homosexual... Even if they're not going to get married, now at least they know that they're a, a full human person. Uh, a little, halfway. Not in 13 states, but not everywhere, but someday eventually. And definitely our president thinks so, maybe. Or he's just pandering, but who cares? So, um, yeah, give, give those people a, a, a Facebook call. And let them know. You guys, are you ready to start the show? What a great night we're having already. What a great night we're having already. And we are going to start the show uh, with a friend of the show who is... So he's hilarious comic, awesome dude, and he is running his monologue jokes for uh, his television show, which is going to tape tomorrow. So look at you guys. Ground floor. You're in on the ground 
floor of comedy. And uh, that show that he's taping was the Jezelnik Offensive. So, ladies and gentlemen, it's here right now for Mr. Anthony Jezelnik. Give it up for Anthony. So, Anthony, that was actually really cool to watch what just happened. I'm just going to describe it to the people that are listening to the podcast. So, you went on stage and you told monologue jokes because you were starting to tape another season of the Jezelnik Offensive mm-hmm. starting tomorrow. That's right, Carmen. Yeah, and, oh, it's Cameron also. Cameron. No, no, that's okay. It happens uh, literally every day of my life. Cameron. Oh, my God. I'm excited. As a Jezelnik, I'm very aware of people's names. Yeah, so yeah. I'm, I'm mad that I... No, but I have a, an, a last name that sounds like it is a different ethnicity than it is because it's Italian, but it sounds like I should be, like, having maracas, but gotcha. it's because my name is... Anyway, um, <laughs> so... What I was going to say is you went on stage and you told monologue jokes and you brought your writers. You brought, were those two, are those two writers on the show? It was a writer show? and it was, an, it was basically like a PA on the show who's kind yeah. of my assistant who comes out and kind of just takes notes for me. Because uh, I, I, I need someone to tell me afterwards like what did well and what didn't because I don't pay attention. So I'm what is the writing process like for your show? It's you and how many other people? It's me. I've got like six or seven other writers. You know, yeah. I've got like a writer's assistant, people who kind of submit jokes and stuff. And uh, all week we're writing for the monologue, for panel, and it's like a lot of just a lot of topical jokes. Yeah. And I, you know, my the monologue is the most important part of the show to me, so it's all I really care about. If I could just do a show that was only a monologue, I would do it. So everybody's like throwing out jokes that sound like they could be from your perspective, exactly. and then your PA is like taking notes to see what works in the room, and then you're like refining those jokes. Well, they, they send us jokes, and I pick like, oh, I think this will be good all mm-hmm. week long. And then on like on the day before, which is today, yeah. you know, we'll sit down and be like, all right, what do we really have? What do we need more of? We usually yell at the writers, make them give us like their best stuff at the end, yeah. kind of put the put it over the top, and then I come and try it out to see what you know what really works. Oh, so that was my question. So do you usually try and get on stage with them, or do you? Oh yeah, every every time before every show. Usually we tape on a, a Thursday instead of a Wednesday, yeah. so this was just a one time thing here. But yeah, always I like to know. You go and try them out. Sometimes if I, as I'm saying a joke, I'll realize this is not for me, but on I the page feel it might like be that's good. Kind of rare. I like I really like that process, but I mean I guess maybe other people that are doing monologues are they do it nightly, so they can't. Yeah, they're like late. Yeah, they can't. Why? Well, yeah. wouldn't make any sense. You have but, a week, and it's got to be. They've got to be strong. So yeah. Doing a monologue, it, it gets so boring that I, I'm. It's important to me to have a great monologue. Awesome. So I want to really make sure the jokes are good. Well, know? I thought it was rad to see you work that out, and oh, thank you. Best of luck with your taping tomorrow. I can't wait to watch the clips. Thank you very much. Yeah. writer's room that's the first time that's happened at this show very exciting it's kind of the it's the whole hollywood vibe of what we've got going on here is anybody currently working on a screenplay while they're here at the show kind of a cool thing i think there's still room for that in your hearts how are you I'm fine. It feels like every t- it feels like you do a lot of commenting to him. How do you guys know each other? <laughs> Weird. From oh, from school. You are in high school. <laughs> you are adults. No. Yeah, I didn't think so. Fucking middle schoolers over here. Um, you are in college. You are, and you go to school together. Okay, well, uh, just so you know, your earlier answer makes no fucking sense. <laughs> uh, okay, so you know each other from school, but you do not go to school together. You just, are you at neighboring schools? Or like a kind of a Romeo and Juliet kind of a, sh- with, with schools? No? Oh my God, I didn't mean to fuck that one up so hard. Um, <laughs> You previously went to school together. Uh, when? A month ago. A month ago. Did you just graduate from college? Yes, you just graduated from college? Okay, uh, number one. <laughs> number one, uh, we can't actually hear you on stage when you talk. And I'll just say that to everybody, because I feel like sometimes people forget that I'm not a television. Especially when you see Anthony Jeselnik, you're like, this is funny. And then you want to tell your friend, but you should just um, shut up. <laughs> But also, I love that you're like, yeah, we graduated a month ago. (laughs) Oh, man. So young. So much to learn. What have you done with the last month? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) 
You guys are not getting any younger. I mean, you almost ha- could grow a mustache. I don't mean to be mean. They're just adorable and also clearly young. Uh, okay, guys. Congratulations. How do you? What did you graduate? What's your degree? Whoa, that's pretty. You should stop saying that forever. <laughs> you said homemaking. Okay. Yeah. Wait, what? All right, I'm gonna stop talking to those guys. <laughs> good gravy wow homemaking I don't think you're an asshole I just think like you do realize I'm twice your size okay (laughs) kind of a weird thing to say to a woman Um, alright well congratulations on your MRS and um, we're gonna keep the show rolling that went weird, didn't it? I, like, I really wanted it to go well, but it just went straight up weird. I feel like there's still hope for us. Uh, get it together. Are you guys okay? Okay, all right. Everybody's okay? Okay, and then you guys clap for them. They're adorable. <laughs> and there's more show, which is great news, right? Awesome. This next comic, hilarious dude. I met him at this theater uh, not too long ago doing a show called Comedy Bang Bang. Like a, just like a, like a, like a pretty low key, a kind of an under the radar. It was just like, it was up and it was gone. You know what I mean? Like it was just a blip on the comedy radar. It barely, uh, barely lasted more than 12 years as an alternative stage show. So I, hilarious man, and I love his stuff very much. Let's hear it right now for Sheng Wang, guys. Give it up for Sheng. Come on. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Uh, hey, where's my um, where's my my alcohol drinkers at? What about my weed smokers? Less, less weed smokers. Less energy. I've been smoking a lot of. I'm visiting uh, California, and I've been smoking. So, it's so. It's like a weed wonderland out here. It's just, I feel like it's a waste if I don't smoke weed all the time. But it's totally lost its eff- efficacy. <laughs> I, can't, I, I, I don't know, my tolerance for weed is just so high now. Like, I don't, I mean, I get high, but it's not, the, the euphoria is gone. But alcohol still works, dude. Alcohol, like you build a tolerance, but you just keep going and you'll get to that happy place. <laughs> That makes me feel safe. Like, I know I can always turn to alcohol if I need to. Make some noise if you love vulture, uh, not, uh, hawks and eagles first. <laughs> Who loves hawks and eagles? Okay. What about vultures? Vultures. Yeah. We got some freaks in the crowd. I, lo- I think there's a, uh, vultures are very underrated, right? Because, like, they're all... Everybody loves eagles and hawks, but they're, they're all like me eating birds of prey. But a vulture will have the decency to wait until you die. That's pretty chill. Like, that's, how, that's my style. You know, if I had to eat other animals, well, I do. But I mean, if I was a vulture, I don't know. I just think it's dope that they, they're like, I'm going to let you finish, and then... You do your thing. I'm not gonna interrupt. Let's chill. I live in New York. It's a weird city to live. I mean, you, I, I'm, a lot of you guys moved here to LA. Um, I, I came here for a little bit. I moved to New York. I was like, this is a very challenging place. Maybe I'll learn and grow. Uh, and, I, and I've done that. You know, a lot of people go there to pursue their careers. But I've decided that the, 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 the one challenge I'm not going to stick around and try to overcome would be bed bugs. <laughs> when it comes down to that, I'll be like, okay, all right, that's cool. I've had enough. I guess I didn't make it in this town. <laughs> that's my, I've already decided those are my terms in the city. And one night, not too long ago, I was going to bed and I, and I felt something crawling on my body. 
And I had a bad feeling. I was like, oh, shit. This might be it. It might be time for me to burn everything I own. And leave. That's what you got to do. And then you just leave New York forever. I turned on the lights, and it was a cockroach. That's disgusting. It's vile. But in New York City, that was a positive experience for me. I was like, ah, yeah, I guess I'll be staying a while. Still in the game. But I couldn't believe how much relief, like I was actually excited. You know, like I was happy a cockroach physically crawled on my bare skin. Like, do you know what that feels like? A second chance. Crawled on my tummy, but it touched my heart. New York City! If you can make it there, you probably lowered your standards of living. I did a... I tried sobriety for about five months. I'm back. I'm doing more red wine. They say a glass of red wine daily. That's good for your heart, so I'm doing that. But I have not cut back on the other stuff. It's like one more thing to drink at the end of the night. Wine is a, it's a fancier vice. It's more classy, right? Like I recently, there's more etiquette involved, you know? Like I, I finished a bottle, right? It was a Charles Shaw blend. Shiraz. Popped open a new bottle, Charles Shaw blend, Cabernet Sauvignon. But of course, I had to rinse out my mug first. Because I'm not a monster. I know how to enjoy the finer things. You gotta... Don't mix the product. Very different $3 wines. I, uh, I've been thinking a lot, you know. I'm kind of a nostalgic person. I've been reflecting on the, uh, the time in your life when you had baby teeth. You guys remember that carefree era? It was a dope, right? You're like, cavities, whatever. <laughs> I got spares, dude. I'm so chill, right? Like, I don't need to brush every day. I got backup. And, and even, even when you lost a tooth, that was a good day. You're like, hell yeah. <laughs> About to get paid. <laughs> yeah, I'm a businessman, dude. What do you do? I traffic teeth, dog. <laughs> Game is different. Game is very different now, you know? I, I, I had the unfortunate um, experience. Of, I broke a tooth last year right up front and center. Yeah, it's sad, you know? You see, it is. It, it's, you see a kid that's missing a tooth, that's cute, that's exciting. It's a sign of growth. Right? But when you see a 33-year-old with a hole in the same place, that's sad. That's sad. That's a sign of somebody messed up his life. It's not a smile. It's just consequences. I got to fix immediately, even though I don't have health care. I had to pay out of pocket. And it, it, was, it was very pricey. And it didn't start with any... There was no cleaning. There was no whitening. You know, I went to my dentist. There was none of that. We went straight to, she pulled out these fake plastic teeth that were, they had like different levels of browning. <laughs> like coffee, khaki, sepia tone. <laughs> and she started comparing them to what I have in my mouth because she was trying to find the one that matches my personal shade of dental neglect. <laughs> she found a match, copied it. That's the one I got. $2,000 for a brand new tooth that looks old and used. <laughs> That's the most expensive thing I ever purchased in my whole life is one $2,000 vintage tooth. 
No one gives a shit about your vintage. No one cares. No one's impressed. No, no, no one's gonna give me their phone number if I go, hey girl, you see this? It used to be worse. Thank you very much. Have a good night. Thank you. on your tooth. It looks good. Uh, hey, we're going to keep uh, the show rolling. I'm excited because this next comic, he has been on the show before and since then, he put out an album on Comedy Central Records which also my good friend Matteo Lane drew the cover on who's also an amazing comic and it looks ama- It looks awesome. So, what's up Matteo? Oh, also, I didn't know that was a thing but what's up? How are you? Good. That's kind of cool. I don't know. I'm going to, this is why I've not been doing this the whole time. I didn't know I needed now you tell some fucking jokes. You tell them! This is kind of exciting in that way. Uh, this is called Sadamantium, and you should pick this up. And also, right now, you should clap for Mr. Mike Lawrence, guys. Give it up for Mike. Come on, let him hear it! Hey, how's it going, everybody? I love the fucking, uh, like, I just got off work to fucking be here. Look at my sacrifices. That's... You're still at work? That's fucking awesome, dude. I used to, when I, when I started stand-up, I used to work at a, at a hot dog place. You might have not heard of it. And uh, I, would, I would run to go do open mics while I was still at work. But for some reason, I would wear the whole uniform, like the apron and everything. It was like, if I get caught, I want it to be as humiliating as possible. I just, here's my shame. After, you work at the Art Institute? That's fucking awesome. I should, that's how I should plug my album. I should just wear it as a necklace around. And it just be, you don't know about Sadamantium, the number 74 album on iTunes? <laughs> Beat Paula Poundstone. Uh, so, um, what, do you, what do you do at the Art Institute? He was, what did you just like? I create dreams. Uh, no, what, do, what do you do? Well, that's the least artistic thing you could do at the Art Institute. And that's fucking... That's, yeah, the worst thing in the world is an artist with a home. That's how shitty art gets created. Right? That's, you're ruining dreams is what you're fucking doing. Oh, I'm comfortable now. I'll just phone it in the rest of my life. Okay. Struggling M. Night Shyamalan brought us The Sixth Sense. A housed and warm M. Night Shyamalan brought us After Earth. You see what I'm talking about here? <laughs> so, yeah, I, um, I'll, I'll talk about a few things. I don't, I don't drink at all. I've never had a drink in my life. I don't smoke. I don't do any of that shit. You know why? I'm a role model. I want to prove to kids that you can be a fuck-up on your own without anybody's help. Yeah. It's fucking right. A sleeveless is, of course, gonna sleeveless in Seattle. There, you fucking. I love, I love that. I'm, 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 I'm killing with the Teamster demographic. And then, you look like every dude in a Spider-Man movie that just yells, "Go get him, Spidey! Do it for New York!" That's, that's fucking awesome. You look like a father that doesn't know what to do with his gay son. That is fucking fantastic. But I don't, yeah, I don't drink. And, and one of the reasons is, yeah, my dad drank a lot. And I feel bad because there's no positive portrayals of alcoholic fathers in beer commercials, right? You'll never see a commercial where it's like, I wasn't really there for my son. But when I was, I drank Dos Equis. He is the most negligent dad in the world. I, there's another, another thing you won't see ever in a commercial. They always say this, right? Support the troops. We should. That's awesome. Support the troops. No one ever says support the recruitment officers. No one ever says that. You'll never see a commercial where it's like, there comes a time in a brave man or woman's life where their country will ask, will you fight for us? And they will say no, but I will find someone who will. I worked at McDonald's for seven years because uh, when you love life, life loves you back. <laughs> One of my... <laughs> and him and the rest of his construction crew would come in and go, where's the big rib? <laughs> I'm, I'm so sorry. <laughs> He's like, you just lost an album sale. 
Huh? Oh, thanks. I'll raise your negativity and give you positivity. What's this? Support in the community? But yeah, so one of my one of my coworkers uh, was a guy named Gerald. He was 48 years old, fresh out of prison. He worked at the McDonald's five days a week from 6 a.m. to 2 p.m. Then went over to work at the Pizza Hut five days a week from 3 p.m. to midnight. And one time, Gerald showed up at the McDonald's in his Pizza Hut uniform, and he just looked at all of us and said, "Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I never fucked up this bad in my life." There is a thing called perspective. I know, I know the economy isn't doing that great. And when I was a boy, boys would always ask each other this weird question. They'd ask each other, what, what are you girls talking about? <laughs> How drunk you'd have to be to fuck me? Is that what you girls are talking about? It would take ten beers. <laughs> the up montage. <laughs> and a 20-piece chicken McNugget that he just served me. <laughs> And then maybe I would. <laughs> these, these two girls, they did not look like the girls in the fucking Sir Mix-A-Lot video. Like, oh my God, look at her butt. It is so big. And that shirt, you're keeping the memory of Hey Arnold alive. If you stop wearing that shirt, we won't forget that. He's like, man, every time I'm on a first date, it's going well until I just start bitching about how Disney ruined Doug and then I'm alone again. I don't... They totally did. They fucked that show up. They gave them a new kid. Roger became rich. It was bullshit. Uh, <laughs> man. I don't know why you need to be disappointed about Disney's Doug when Man of Steel just came out. Like, there's new things that are breaking my heart. I don't know why I need to be on the past when douchey Superman, uh, which wasn't based on the comic book Superman, but the Five for Fighting song about Superman, came out and ruined my dream sack. Uh, this really does remind me of middle. They're like they're like talking to each other, like whispering to each other while I'm on stage, and it's like this, I, I'm getting so insecure right now. They're like, I think he looks more like Robin Williams from Goodwill Hunting. No, I think he looks more like everything on the History Channel. Uh, <laughs> let's just hope we never have a kid that becomes him. That sounds like a good idea. Um, but yeah, so all on this, uh, yeah, the m money's not good right now, the economy. Uh, people always ask each other this, this question. Boys would ask each other this. Would you, would you suck a dick for a million dollars? Teamster, would you, would you suck a dick? No, no. Would, would you, Art Institute? No. No. Yeah, they're not paying you that much. Come on, let's be fucking honest here. Would you, dude? Hell yeah. She was like, I thought you'd never ask. <laughs> He's like, yeah, why not? Fucking let's do it. <laughs> and now he's lonely. He's like, why'd you choose him and not me? Because the thing is, I totally would. I totally would. Oh, Doyle Rule section, would you guys do it? Would you guys fuck? Yeah. <laughs> we took it as a pledge. The thing is, I totally would. Here's the problem. I wouldn't say anything for me now. How do I itemize that on my tax forms? You know, that's the problem. And the other thing is, how awesome would the show Who Wants to Be a Millionaire have been if that's what it was? If it was just Regis Philbin stumbling in with his pants to his ankles going, Who wants to be lucky tonight? Thank you, guys. of Doug. Oh, that question, that fucking who would suck a dick for a million dollars question, I feel like that comes up a lot. Dudes are constantly asking each other that from like the stage or just interpersonally to which I always say like what's going on for you that you can't get your dick sucked for not a million dollars? Like just like find somebody and a ask them about their life <laughs> Also, also, like, what? I love that that's like a, I don't know, that's such a weird, I feel like that's like a weird, con I think that straight men have this idea that, like, gay men are, like, first of all, super rich. <laughs> super rich, and then also, like, 
definitely don't just have sex with each other. Like committed and fucking dirty ass, like just just sex. You know, like that they're just like, you know what I would love? I'd love to play a million dollars from like kind of a rapey blowjob from somebody who's not into it. I always find people are great at sucking dick when they've never been sucking dick before, but I pay them a bunch of money. Like what's that's not you're gonna you're gonna you're that you're gonna you're gonna overpay is what I'm trying to say. You're not gonna get a good BJ. Guys, what is going on for you? Like save your moolah. Oh, I suck a million dick. I just love that. It's so funny. What is the scenario? Like, what is the scenario when that comes up? There's one movie about that. Like, that's such a far-fetched idea that there's only one movie about, like, a w- about, like, Demi Moore. Like, think about all the topics that happen in movies that don't really happen in real life where they're like, yeah, well, listen. In this part of the movie, uh, somebody's going to get out of this side of the cab while the person they're looking for gets in the other side of the cut. That's in 500 movies. Being paid a million dollars for this fuck fest, that's in one movie. Like, that's how much that has never happened. Okay. Or it's just prostitution. Like, I guess that's the other thing I'm saying, is, like, just hire a prostitute. Like, sex workers, uh, can, they can do that in a way that is, like, safe and can be a skill. So just, like, seek out... Seek out, like, a sex worker. Do you know what I mean? And pay that, or be a sex worker. Like, if you're wondering, how do I get paid to give blow... There's an actual uh, job for... It's the oldest profession, and you can just do that. So you don't have to even be at this bar. Um. (laughs) I really think that's one thing that... I don't know. I feel like... Don't you feel like men... Straight men are... I just feel like straight men are constantly, like... I don't... Because that was one of the biggest issues with with same-sex marriage, is that you, you cannot tell me that the reason that it was, that there was a, you cannot tell me that DOMA didn't most of the way exist because uh, straight men did not want to think about butt sex. Like, you cannot tell me that that is not the number one reason that they were like, well, what about butt sex? And to which I say, do you realize how many married straight people are having butt sex? Also, follow-up question, do you realize that anybody is going to continue to have butt sex regardless of marriage? Like, those are not linked. We're waiting. We're waiting for butt sex marriage. We're just waiting for butt sex marriage. Those are not things that, that... And straight people have butt sex, and lesbians have butt sex, and you know what? You can just do it if you're into it, and if you're not into it, totally don't do it. And if somebody's making you do it, that's rape. That's not homosexuality. So get out of there! You're in a bad place! Okay. That one, I feel like that was a very educational. Yes, yeah. Uh, and we're going to keep the show rolling as well. Uh, this gentleman, uh, he used to... So you guys should stop talking. Because I, I thought it was you guys, but it's you, isn't it? S- just stop. Because I'm right here, and it's very distracting. And the rest of the show, I want the other comics to not have to deal with that. Is that okay? I know you're like having a good time, and that that's why you're chatting to each other. But it feels like there's another show going on that I want to pay attention to. It's hard for me to stay on this butt sex rant. <laughs> Thank you to that person. <laughs> it's so embarrassing. You know what would have, you know what would have proved to me more that it was so embarrassing? Uh, you not just saying it's so embarrassing. <laughs> but instead, if you just stopped talking, that would be something. Yes, are we agreed as an audience? <laughs> Okay, we are going to keep the show rolling. And this next comic, he is somebody I've known um, for years. Uh, Knew him in Chicago. He's written for Fallon. He's a very funny man. Guys, Mr. David Angelo. Give it up for David. Come on. So, hi. Hey, how you doing? This is David Angelo. (laughs) Just finished a set here at the... The name of the show one more time. Put your hands together. Put, to, put your hands together. Yeah. Fantastic. If you're ever in Los Angeles, UCB every Tuesday. Yeah, this is this is great. This is mostly a 
the interview is mostly you plugging the show, so you've already nailed it, and we can just stop. Actually, I like to give back to the community. <laughs> Thank you. So you are you asked to have your set cut from the podcast because you said that you are often. I don't. I don't write new materials. What I said. So Talk I to want, me about that. I don't want someone to show up to the to my next show after hearing your podcast because I know it has a big circulation. Yeah, you know, it's rated we well on it. iTunes. <laughs> so I don't want a, someone to hear that and then come and see me and do the same jokes, I, my same tired jokes. I can't. I can't allow that. Well, I think what's interesting about that in your specific case is that you do a lot of like one-linery things. I mean, right. I could see that for that. That's actually harder because if you told stories. Right. You, somebody could no hear story. those stories more than once, and it wouldn't be right, right. like an issue. There's not the element of surprise. It's more the journey during a yeah. story. How many how many jokes did you just tell up there? I see you have a million. I didn't tell that here. many, to be honest. But I can tell you, I can I can do a just for the radio joke if you want. Oh my god, yeah, do us one do us one joke. That's not a thing people say, but do it. Well, that's a good one. <laughs> um, let's see. Let's see. Oh, this is a classic. Oh, this is a classic. You know that song, I Would Walk 500 Miles? I do know it. Yeah, it's about a guy trying to find light bulbs in Home Depot. <laughs> thank you so much. This is a great crowd here, by the way. A great listener base. <laughs> I want to thank everyone for t- tuning in to, to put your hands together. Uh, that's on awesome. satellite radio. Yeah, it's satellite radio right in, your, right in your phone. You know, another joke I had that doesn't work. I'm just going to tell the people the joke I, didn't, I had that didn't work. Yeah. As I say, oh, the economy is getting much better. Yeah, you know, I can tell because the guy who collects scrap metal in my neighborhood just hired three new employees. And to me, that's a funny joke because the picture is scrap metal is booming as an industry because the economy is worse. And you explained that on stage. I and did because people didn't laugh. No one laughs. I love that. And I don't know why. I don't know what I'm missing. To me, it makes perfect sense. But there's some disconnect there. And I... A, you know, a, a lesser comic would try to workshop it out. I'm confident that I have it right, and I think that the audience just, you know, is, is uh, one step short there. What do you think? I think that it is, like, just subtle enough that I can understand somebody not laughing at it. Literally. I, this is actually my opinion, but I laughed at it. Um, Thank you. I know it's not, you know, it's not one of your knee slappers, but, like, this, for instance. You know, I... <laughs> I drove here from, I, I took La Cienega. Yeah. La Cienega, that's an old Mexican word that means parking ticket. Thank you. You know, nobody has ever told me jokes. This is, you're the first person to because do this Because people are afraid to tell jokes. Everyone, I love it. Everyone is always like, nah, I don't want to tell a joke. Nah, well, some comics are not stage. joke comics. They're like story. I mean, I can't tell it. I literally can't yeah, tell a joke. Yeah, but people come up to me and they say, you know how when people say, tell us me, yeah. tell me a joke. And I always say, no, that's not how it works. You what do you have say? one going. I'll, I'll tell them ten jokes. That's care. awesome. Uh, I'm going to... Of course you So don't. you should go see David Angelo live. You can hear all of his jokes. Or just meet him as a person. You can hear yeah, ten of his jokes. <laughs> yeah, you'll probably get more material off stage than well, that. Thanks for coming by the show. Thank awesome. you for having me. Thank you. Guys, David Angelo, let's hear it. We are going to keep the show rolling. We got two comics left. Do you guys have in your arm for two comics? Two comics left. I don't know why I turned into a carnival barker just then. I was two. Anyway, um, and I'll guess you wait. I'm just getting in uh, like a baby in a jar. You know what I mean? Like a bait, but it has a moose head. You don't have to feel that sad. They just probably ended up taking a moose baby head, and then they just attached it to like a, or it's like a sculpture or something. It's like, don't worry about it that much. It's pretty, it's okay. I think it's all right. Uh, hey, if you love the cotton candy, you're going to love this next comic. It's still kind of, it's, that was kind of part of the carnival theme. So I, I, like, I, I guess I trusted you guys too much that we were all at a carnival in that moment. And I kind of think you guys were still here. But I thought we were, I thought we were, in, you know, like kind of standing in dust. And, you know, like, and this is what these people do for, like, but not us. I mean, like, carn- you know, people that work at a carnival. Thank you. <laughs> Hey, we've got two comics left. Do you have it in you for two final comics? Oh, this next comic, she was on Conan recently. Very, very funny lady. Let's see right now for Emily Heller, guys. Give it up for Emily. Thank you. Keep it going for Cameron, everybody. 
happy to be here. I just moved from New York like a few weeks ago. Sure, you don't have to be excited for me. <laughs> it's fine. I like it so far. I've been enjoying how things are not a constant nightmare here. That's been nice. I feel like it's been like a nice change of pace. I feel like New York, you know, it's a little overrated. I moved there a couple years ago. I feel like moving to New York is kind of like having a baby um, because immediately your life is a hassle. Like, everything's stressful, everything's expensive, you don't sleep, you have to carry around this bag with everything you need in it at all times. You become insufferable to other people. You think it's really unique that you did it, even though everyone else in the world did it. Your life basically becomes a nightmare, but you cannot stop talking about how amazing it is. Oh my God, it's so amazing. You can't understand until you do it yourself. Definitely wasn't a mistake. The difference is, uh, I got to leave New York. Yeah. You can't, you can't do that with a baby. You can't just pack up and be like, you eight million, raise it. Yeah. If you leave a baby, no one will say what you say when you leave New York. No one's going to be like, well, I guess it just wasn't for her. No, you go to jail. You go to jail is what happens. Um, I'm, I'm happy to be here. I actually, I recently quit dating. Um... I don't know why you're laughing at that. I don't know why no one is taking me seriously. It's weird. I feel like dating is the only hobby you can have that other people won't let you quit, even if you're bad at it. Right? And I'm bad at dating. I should be able to quit if I want to. I quit everything else that I'm bad at. Right? I figured out a life without math for the most part. I quit basketball when I was 11 uh, because, as you can imagine, I was terrible at basketball. <laughs> I was on a team of six people total, and my nickname was Six. <laughs> my coach gave me that nickname on the first day of practice. He was like, we are never playing you. You know how at the end of the season for like kids sports, they give everyone a trophy? They give everyone a trophy, right? And they always give the worst player on the team the same trophy, which is the most improved player award, right? Uh, no one got that award the year that I played basketball. <laughs> they gave me the trophy for most dramatic shot. <laughs> for the one underhanded basket that I made by accident and then all the other times that I cried. What I'm trying to say is, when I quit basketball, no one had a problem with it. They were like, we saw those air balls, get on out of here. It's time for you to try poetry. <laughs> no one is coming up to me now being like, don't give up, have you tried online basketball? <laughs> Maybe you haven't met the right hoop. <laughs> I should be able to quit dating if I want to. I gave it a shot, okay? I gave it a go. I just had one too many people tell me that they thought 9-11 was an inside job on the first date. If you're wondering, how many people is too many people? One, one is too many. That shouldn't happen, not on the first date. Listen, I'm an open-minded person, okay? I'm not saying that 9-11 was definitely an outside job. I mean, it was, but... I'm just saying, if it's that important to you, right, that I know how you feel about that right away, right away, why not just put that in your OkCupid profile somewhere? <laughs> Save me a little bit of time. There's probably a better, more specific website for you to be on, right? Is there like a 9-11 was an inside job dot com backslash dating? Because there needs to be. Keep those people off the other websites. 
They should at least have, you know how they have on OkCupid, I know none of you will admit to being on there, but um, you know how they have those uh, multiple choice questions that you can use to like weed out people who are homophobes and stuff? Um, They should just ask you, you know, straight up, how do you feel about (laughs) 9-11? Right? And then the options could be like, it was sad, no comment, and it was an inside job, let's talk about it right now! (laughs) Then I could just eliminate those people right off the bat, go out with the people who said it was sad. And probably the no comment people too, who am I kidding? That's intriguing. (laughs) What's your deal? Why won't you just say 9-11 was sad? (laughs) That's so mysterious, I wanna know everything about you. This is what I mean when I say that I'm bad at dating and I should be able to quit if I want to. And, I, you know, I, people take me really literally about it, um, and they shouldn't, you know? Like, it's not like I want to be single forever, you know? Anything could happen. Channing Tatum could get divorced, right? I'm holding out hope. I just really like to say that I want to be single forever in front of my married friends because they hate that. (laughs) Oh my God, they hate that so much. There's always one of them who'll condescend to me about it. He'll be like, single forever? You don't know that. You can't know that. You can't know that you're going to want something forever. like oh my god that is an amazing point no you're right that would be stupid of me to say that I know that I'm gonna want something forever in my 20s (laughs) god the only thing I could think of that would be stupider would be spending $50,000 to say it in front of everyone I know Thank you for helping me dodge that bullet. <laughs> if you're married uh, and that offends you, I'm sorry. I am. Um, here's what I recommend. Um, go home. Hug your spouse. Know that I will not be doing that because Netflix does not have arms. <laughs> right? They haven't figured out that technology yet. Although if they know their clientele, they are working on it. Uh, thank you guys very much. I'm Emily Heller. Emily Heller! Let's care for her. Keep it going. Awesome. Well, guys, we have one final comic on the show. He is a hilarious dude. We're so happy. He's, he's been in New York uh, writing on a show called Totally Biased on FX with W. Kamau Bell. Is, is that, that is a great show. And sometimes he's on the show, and so he's in L.A. Um, we're happy to have him back, and I'm so glad that he stopped by to do the show. Let's hear it right now for Guy Branham, guys. Give it up for Guy! Come on! Emily was just saying mean things about marriage, and as you guys can tell from the sounds entering your ears right now, I'm a homosexual. <laughs> and it always bothered me when people... Because, like, during the whole gay marriage debate... Like, Cameron made all of the salient points. I'm just going to bitch a little bit. But, like, during the gay marriage debate, straight people were always like, well, I guess you guys can be as unhappy as we are if you want to be. Like, it's not that, I, it's not that great. Which is sort of like a girl saying, you're so lucky that you're not pretty. Because <laughs> being pretty is really hard. But I kind of, it's very exciting. It's very exciting. Like, the Superman point, or the Spider-Man point is really good because I don't know how homosexuality works when we can get married. Like, do we have to be normal now? Can I not fuck strangers in bathrooms? Because I like that. I think I maybe like that more than, like, a, a buffet in a no-host bar. Like, I was into that. The one thing I think is that we have to stop saying my partner. Like, for a long time, we've had this, like, 
pretend in between word. It's not boyfriend, it's not husband, he's my partner. But now we can have real life husbands. So when you say my partner, you're essentially saying, I love you, but not enough to drive to Vermont. <laughs> Do we have some straight guys in the audience? Be more enthusiastic about it. Um, straight guys love to make fun of the way that gay guys talk. They don't get it. They don't understand. What are you, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? I don't know why I talk like this. I am one of nature's miracles. I don't know why I have this accent. It's not like I grew up with my parents speaking gay to me. They are not recent immigrants from Pakistan. My current working theory is that all of the penises beating against the back of my throat have somehow altered the acoustics. It's like a cathedral in my mouth. <laughs> Who here hates reality television? <laughs> Shut the fuck up. I am so tired of this. I'm so tired of people acting better than television. I am exactly as good as television. Um, I am so tired of, uh, like, oh, it's so stupid. It's so stupid. It's just people fighting all the time. Why do you have to watch that? It's so stupid. What is sports? Sports is stupid people, idiots, adults who cannot read and have accidental children. <laughs> fighting with each other for three hours at a time, you watch it every Sunday like it's good. I want to watch people fight too. I just want to understand why. Because you are wearing different colored helmets, that is not a reason to fight. Because Teresa did not go to Melissa Gorga's baby's christening. That is a reason to fight. I have to, um, like Ms. Cameron Esposito, I have spent a good amount of my life walking around with a gigantic chip on my shoulder about who's going to say faggot next, and how am I going to show him that today is unlike every other day that's ever happened before, and that's not an okay thing to do. Step the fuck back, kid! <laughs> you should know more fear when I approach you like that. <laughs> um, but the thing is, is that I need to get over that, because, like, the Supreme Court did something nice for us, things are getting better, and, like, you know, here we are. We're all in Hollywood. We all agree about everything, and we all know we can only get married in 13 states, blah, 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 fuck Chick-fil-A. <laughs> but we are on the same page. And the, the simple fact is, is that there are some advantages to being a gay man in our society. For instance, you young man, what's your name? Zach. Zach, pretty name for a pretty face. Zach, <laughs> if you want to watch attractive strangers get naked for your benefit. You have to go to some seedy strip club, uh, buy the airport, and pay $12 for a Diet Coke. If I want to watch attractive strangers get naked for my benefit, I have to go to the locker room at Crunch. Every guy I wanted to have sex with in high school had to dry his balls in front of me, and I will take those memories with me for the rest of my life. There are some advantages to being a gay man in our society. We get to be friends with black women for no reason. No one understands why it works. It's just two strong flavors that work well together, like sea salt and dark chocolate. There are some advantages to being a gay man in our society. No one expects me to like Kings of Leon. And you guys, 
I, I take a lot of grief for my taste in music, and allow me to explain my taste in music to you. Do you know how you turn on the radio and there's that song they play 15 times a day? You don't understand why they play that song, and you don't understand who liked that song? I always liked that song. I always liked that song. When it was Mambo Number 5, I liked that song, and when it was Call Me Maybe, I liked that song. I always liked that song. Recently, I was at a party. A guy came up to me. We were having a conversation about music. He was like, guy, you need to grow up. You need to start listening to some music with some complex emotions to it. Music is part of your evolution. You need to grow up. Here's the thing. I've already got complex emotions floating around inside of me, okay? If I want to be sad, I'll just remember that in 1999, I had a conversation with my mother. Then she never loved me as much again. I don't need the Decembrists to help. <laughs> I don't need some black guy from Brooklyn telling me how hard life is. I know how hard life is. What I need is a black girl from Brooklyn reminding me that if I put on lip gloss, I will feel better. <laughs> because sometimes rolling through this life as a creepily gigantic bald gay guy isn't the most fun thing to do. And if I go through this life and the only people who realize I'm a firework are me and Katy Perry, that is enough for me. Thank you and good minute set I've ever seen. Heaven, I feel changed. That was amazing. I'm so glad he was on the show. Oh my gosh. And I guess I just want to leave you guys with one final thought, which is, um, first of all, it's been an, it's been an awesome show. And uh, second of all, I'm so happy right now. Like I'm so happy for us and you and everybody. And also, we get to leave this show and go into the fourth. I love the 4th of July. Please keep in mind that this is one of the greatest holidays in our... Like, this is... It, it's... I want you guys to go home tonight thinking about small-town parades. Have you been to them? Have you been to a small... Have you been to a small-town parade? Like, I mean, I mean a parade that is 99% Little League teams that have won meaningless championships. Like, I'm talking about a parade where you will definitely get hit in the head with gum that is thrown, but is not edible. Like, you can't chew it. It is too hard. Who threw that? Where did that come? Where'd they even buy that gum? That is old gum. That's not even what new gum looks like. There's not, gum's no longer individually wrapped. Where are you shopping? We just bought in bulk in 1983. Throw it every. I love small town parades, and the best... Two years ago, I was, I'm not going to be uh, home in Chicago uh, for the small town parade in my town uh, this year, but two years ago, I was at that parade, and I saw probably the best thing that I've seen ever at a small town parade, and that is the Western Suburban Indiana Jones Fan Club. <laughs> I understand the question. I'm going to anticipate the question you guys have in your minds, but Cameron, an Indiana Jones fan club... What does that look like? Is that a bunch of Indiana Joneses? Indiana's Jones? <laughs> or is that like every character in the franchise? Like what's the fa like how did they divide that up? Well, to answer, uh, it's every character in the franchise. So think of every just think also think about it being super racist. Like the like think about the fact that like the doctors have to play the dude who rips your heart out. Do you know what I mean? Because brown. Do you understand? That's a suburban joke. Um, in the suburbs of Chicago, the doctors are brown. People. Their skin is. Kalima? Okay, nobody. Um, but what I liked about this the most, when I, and this is what I want to leave you guys with, uh, what I liked about this the most is that there was one 55-year-old suburban dad just a silver fox, just a real Anderson Cooper with a belly, just a white, just a gorgeous, marching down, who got to be indie. Like, in the Indiana Jones fan club, there's one man who is Dr. Jones. 
And like, I don't know what this guy does for a living. Like, I don't know what the rest of his life is like. I don't know if he has kids or if he's a divorcee who lives in kind of like a sad apartment or a good apartment. Like, maybe he got all the money. I don't know what his life is. But I do know that on the 4th of July, for some reason, everybody else dresses up as like small side characters. And he is the titular Indiana Jones for a day, for three hours of his life, just marching down the street, and people are taking pictures with him. As if he has achieved something. He's not even wearing the right outfit. He's got pleated dockers on. He just happens to still have a leather bomber jacket from whenever, and like some brown fedora that doesn't even have the wide enough brim, and like a whip that's probably just a straw. You know, like he's just... But in his mind, he looks great. And I love, I love that man. Like, that is my 4th of July hero. And I hope that you guys will think of him. I hope you will wonder where he is this 4th of July and every 4th of July into infinity. What a man. As a group. What a man. You guys, I'm Cameron Esposito. What a great show. Let's hear it for everybody. You saw tonight... This show is also available as a podcast, so please download or listen, rate, and review on iTunes, and we will see you for the live show next Tuesday and every Tuesday here at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater in Los Angeles. Have a great night, guys. Put your hands together. 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 Get ready to laugh. Put your hands together. Put your hands together. Get ready to clap. Put your hands together. Put your hands together. This is Arnie Niekamp from the Improv Fantasy Podcast, Hello from the Magic Tavern. I fell through a dimensional portal behind a Burger King in Chicago into the magical land of Foon, and I started a podcast. Season three has just begun with a brand new adventure to defeat the Dark Lord. If you're a new listener or you've fallen behind, season three is a great jumping on point. And we've got great guests like Justin McElroy. I sound like a fancy college professor. Eight nights. <laughs> Rachel Bloom. You all see my collection of men corpses and one woman. Felicia Day and Colton Dunn. You've seen <coughs> me have intercourse with a variety of species. It's a bummer. Andy Daly. You have the members of Genesis listed, but Phil Collins yeah. has crossed out and then circled and crossed out again. Uh, yes, I have killed Phil Collins twice. Thomas Middleditch. <laughs> Oh, Jesus! I mean, Jazos! <laughs> ruler of the Eighth Circle! And that's just the beginning. Season 3 of Hello from the Magic Tavern is out now. Listen in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.